You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. that time my friends it is that time for another episode of the x-man podcast i'm your host doc coil apologies for missing last week and you know maybe i shouldn't even apologize at this point it's just it is what it is <laughs> your boy is getting to, getting to the show when he can luckily i've done a, a whole gang of interviews lately uh despite having one canceled this week but i have coming up uh, in addition to this show, we got Max Cavalera from Soulfly and Sepultura. We have Max Karen, uh, two Maxes, uh, from Bad Wolves, coming to talk about him rejoining the band. We have our second edition of the uh, Music Industry Symposium talking about social media burnout with uh, Ryan J. Downey. Mike Mowry and Eric German coming up, and I'm going to be speaking to Morgan Lander from Kitty tomorrow. So, so I'm, I'm on top of it. It's just, I have to say, guys, I'm kind of burnt out, and this is what I do. I go through these cycles of busting my ass and just doing 50 million things, and yeah, and, it, and, it's, and it's tough, and unfortunately, the podcast ends up being uh, the last thing because you know so much of the band stuff is immediate right it's like there's a show this week or a tour coming up and that's so, so definitive whereas like the, the podcast i can pretty much do it when i want but i i know you guys uh you want some episodes so i'm, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm on my second cup of coffee and now i'm on the red bull so <laughs> it was uh it was it was a rough one today but i did get a new guitar shout out to gibson guitars and uh cesar goykin who hooked me up with a custom shop flying V. I do not deserve this. It's too nice. It's too nice. Um, but I appreciate it. That's su such a wonderful gesture. And I can't wait to bring this guitar on the road and play it for you guys. It should be amazing. So what's going on? Oh, yeah. Uh, Bad Wolves just announced a European tour. I mean, a long European tour. We're going to be there for almost two months, starting mid-October through mid December with the with Volbeat motherfucking Volbeat playing big ass arenas. A lot of these days we're gonna be doing multiple nights in some of these arenas, and also with the band Skindred. And so that's gonna be incredible. Some people are a little confused because uh, it shows Napalm Death on the ad mat, but they're doing the UK dates and the Ireland date, 
we are not. So they're basically, we each have the same slot just in different markets, but our, we're doing the bulk of the tour, you know, a good six weeks over there. And we'll probably add our own headline dates in the UK. Cause if we're over there, we got to go to the UK. Cause that's a, a great market for us. And the, the fans are, are absolutely incredible. So, you know, if you're from Europe, we're pretty much going everywhere. I think we're going almost everywhere except for where are we missing? I don't see any Sweden dates, but or or Norway. Um, but I got I got to take a look. But we're going to Finland, uh, which we haven't been. We're going to Spain, which we haven't been. So it's going to be pretty great. It's going to be really huge, really big for for Bad Wolf. So I'm, I'm excited. And uh, what else has happened since the last show? Uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, and you know, in somewhere around twenty plus states, uh, abortion is either been illegalized or uh, heavily regulated, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a turning point in our country. Uh, that uh, ruling stood for fifty years uh, and and gave women a constitutional right uh, to the procedure to have an abortion, and uh, it's a big sea change in our culture. And, you know, it's it, it's interesting. It's It kind of gives whole context to all those, the women's march after Trump won. Like, people are like, why are they marching? What does that have to do with anything? It's like, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, if he didn't appoint all those those judges who were pretty much handpicked to do this very thing and, and then lied on the stand about it, um, it, this this wouldn't have happened, you know, or at least not anytime soon. And, and it's, and it's interesting because the the response, um, which I get, I get the anger, frustration. Um, I I'm at the point where I just I kind of you know you you can see it coming from a mile away. Unfortunately, once these you know these people are put in put in place, but it, you know it took a long time, and they the 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 right wing in this country and the religious right specifically never gave up. You know, uh, they made it a, a flagship issue and they, even with all that, they still had to get lucky, you know, uh, they had to, you know, Mitch McConnell had to pull those strings to not let, uh, Obama pick Merrick Garland. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had to not retire while Obama was in office. Trump winning kind of against all odds. And even with 3000, 3 million less votes, uh, and then getting three selections in four years, which is insane. Uh, and then, you know, the the Democrats not codifying the law, which, you know, is up in the air on whether they, they actually could have gotten done. Could they have gotten 60 votes? It's still a question. Even when they had super majorities, there's still there's, you know, pro-life Democrats. So there's there, there's no telling. So they had a lot of things go their way. And I and I think when you have situations like this, uh, it's akin to like morning a morning right? It's denial, anger, uh, all that bargaining. And, and I get that. And, and, but you, you know, you, you, you have to utilize the the political process and that's what they did. They elected their guy and he put in the people and they got lucky and it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna take years. And, you know, one thing, and I'm gonna say this and some people don't want to hear this, but I'm sorry. Like I, and I have friends of mine, people I love, who went and they protested and it's like, I'm sorry, doing a protest in, in California where abortion is, is safe and legal, isn't doing anything except really making you feel good. 
um it's and i think it's it's okay to show solidarity uh with those affected by this but i think there's more meaningful ways uh that are less kind of galvanizing to your own sense of of uh activism you know and you know i saw this you know some some people tweet you know stuff about you know it was this one tweet oh civility hasn't worked now it's time to riot and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about that is so like a it's morally wrong to to advocate for violence uh, you know in, in a point where you're not it's you know to me the only time violence is is necessary is out of self-defense you know order to save someone else which is a form of defense right um so i think it's immoral but it's just so fucking stupid it's like the republicans didn't make this happen through violence they actually use the political system and if you want to make change you know, and it's got now, you know, it went to the states. You know, the people in those states have to, if they want though that freedom, then they got to go vote for it. They got to vote for a governor that's going to do that. Or they're going to have to vote for local legislatures. And, and you look at most of those red states, I mean, it's overwhelmingly Republican. So if that's what they want and the majority and the minority loses out, what, what are you going to do? You know? And, you know, at the, at the end of all that grief is some acceptance and then you got to figure out, you know, but I, you know, I, I think you can't just, uh, advocate for other people. Like at some point, those people got to advocate for themselves and those communities have to, have to want that, um, you know, at a federal level, I don't really know what you're going to do. You know, I, I think it's a really scary moment for the country because what we're going to see we're going to see people who have money are going to go out of state and, and broke people who are the most affected and the you know by this are going to be stuck and it's, and it's going to be you know women are going to die you know trying to figure out ways to to have abortions they're still going to happen but they're not going to be safe um and you're also going to have a lot of people who just aren't ready and it's going to create some very difficult home home scenarios. So, you know, I'm, you know, very much an advocate for this, you know, for having this, this, this freedom for women and, uh, it sucks, you know, and if you disagree with me, I, you know, uh, I don't, you know, that's perfectly fine. Um, I totally understand the, the other argument. I just disagree with it. So on to this week's sponsor, we have a band and I guess it's like a collaboration because I think it's only technically two guys, but it's a band called Seeking Sirens. And I believe that they have sponsored the show before, but we're going to play a, a brand new song of theirs entitled Departing Ways. <laughs>
just heard Seeking Sirens with their brand new song entitled Departing Ways and they just dropped a video for it. I was looking at some of it. So it is a band, you know, I don't want to, you know, over oversell this idea that it's not a not a full band. So they, they definitely have a have, have a band. So I apologize for um misspeaking there. But that is part of a five track EP that uh, was just released on June third. I really enjoyed that song chorus was really great had kind of a genty architects kind of vibe going on but it was it was a very enjoyable track well produced and uh, you might recognize the singer joseph uh, isaiah because i did a song with him for his uh, harder truths solo album which featured you know guys like me josh from as a late dying buzz from unearth chris norris uh a bunch of really really talented people and i did a song for that you should go check that out um and also with seeking sirens i'd say the best place because he was like yo tell people about the heart of truths album uh he has a production company called do work but really the best place to find 
all, whether it's uh, his solo stuff or the Seeking Siren stuff or his other band uh, from Under Concrete Kings, I would go to his link tree, which is linktree backslash Joey Dangerously. And, uh, you know, it's got all his projects on there. And just shout him out because he's a super talented guy, obviously, from what you can hear. And if you'd like to sponsor the show, just shoot me an email to thexmanpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, that's EX. Or just get up in your boy's DMs. So we have a, a wonderful guest this week, Mr. Jason Richardson, uh, one of the best and you know, just impressive guitar players in the world playing progressive metal. I mean, the guy is unbelievable. Uh, you may know him from touring recently with All That Remains. He's been in incredible bands like Born of Osiris and Chelsea Grin. And he's just, I mean, he's the man, all right? And uh, definitely someone I've had on my mind uh, for the show for quite some time so i'm just i'm just really glad that we got a chance uh to do this and he and he pretty much gives me you know he gives me the whole story how, how we got from a to b and um i just i just really appreciated this conversation so i'm gonna stop running my mouth so please check out this great conversation with the incredible jason richardson <laughs> Welcome to the show. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this. This is amazing. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. Well, no, no problem. You and I got to do this wonderful uh, collective uh, podcast. I guess it was the 100th episode of the Riff Hard podcast. And we had you, myself, obviously, Al and John Brown, uh, the hosts on there, and Mark Heilman. Yep. We had, who else do we have? We had Mark from Periphery. Another Mark H. Yeah, two Mark H's. Dude, it's too much, too, too, yeah. too, 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 too many marks. Yeah. Um, and Nick, Nick, Nick Johnston, and that was a lot of fun. I, again, I, I felt very like uh, outmatched talent wise. On <laughs> oh no, you're good, dude. You're good. <laughs> but um, but no, it's um, you're you're someone that's been on my mind for a while to have on the show because you know I've been, I've had like a nice string of just like classic X Men on this on the show just, just people that you know got an, you know you and you have a what i would characterize as a stellar resume oh thank you yeah it wasn't uh wasn't intentional but you know <laughs> shit happens and you just to cope and move move onward <clears throat> absolutely absolutely yeah. but that's but, but yourself included you've been to uh, around around for a while in a handful of bands now i know mm, i know well, i'm a band whore there's a difference <laughs> are you a band yeah, sure whore? It wasn't, or... wasn't intentional, but again, just shit happens. You just got to move forward. Absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. Yep. But but um, but no. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess maybe maybe we could start back in the day because I actually don't know that much about your your background. And sometimes I actually like to purposely not know so I can learn these things in real time with the the audience. So uh, where are you from originally? I am originally from Northern Virginia. Um, yeah. Uh, Manassas, to be specific. Okay. Which is best. I like. No one's heard of it. I tell them it's spelled man ass as. That's literally how it's spelled. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, the hometown venue I grew up playing was in West Springfield, Virginia. Do you remember Jacks? I played Jacks probably eight million times. Yep, that's the venue I grew up playing, like in my local band uh, with uh, Danny Hauser. 
the uh, current bass player of Vale Maya. We were in a band together back then. What was <clears> that? Um, the food, like the they would give you the same dinner. It was like this pasta, like kind of. I don't know what you know. It, it was I only came of... through there once on a tour. Okay, so you were yeah. lo- local band. You got no pasta. <laughs> no, dude, we were selling tickets and not even getting a guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I remember kinda... there was one show where we sold like 200 something tickets for this like show that no one cared about. Like, uh, and like, I remember meeting the headliner that night. They're like, yeah, tonight's going to be sick. And then like everyone left after we played. Um, but, uh, we were supposed to be on like a higher slot on the bill. And then the promoter was like buddy, buddy with one of the other bands, even though they didn't sell really anything and they weren't that great, but they stuck us like two out of the three openers instead of the third even though we literally sold like 200 tickets to this show i was like wow man that's those, gonna karma dude those I'll local that. those local <laughs> promoters man i don't i don't know it, it, there's a special type of um greasiness and uh sliminess i think that 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 comes with that profession especially something in in the northeast i don't know what was going on there but uh you know <laughs> i'm sure listen i'm sure it happens all all over and and so many bands get exploited in in that in that regard but uh yeah i was uh i was just thinking about that area because it's kind of crazy just what whether it's you know virginia or dc or you know uh maryland how many incredible musicians came out of that area around that time what was going on in the water i don't know man but you're right that's like where animals as leaders uh started periphery uh, Periphery, um lamb of gods and richmond uh Like, yeah, dude, I don't, I don't know. Whatever was in the water, I'm glad I drank it. I guess. Hell yeah! Did <laughs> um, did uh, what? What was the band you were playing with that was doing all these shows at Jack's selling tickets? Uh, it was called Gallows Hill. Gallows Hill, pretty, pretty metal. Yeah, I remember it was like back in like uh, MySpace days where um, uh, when I was still in high, I was obsessed with like the whole because I was uh when Sumerian first started. Yep. Uh, like you know, like they had only had like the faceless. Born of Osiris, After the Burial, and like maybe one other band on the mm-hmm. label at the time. And I was like completely obsessed with like that niche of like that style of metal. Um, and that's like the type of bands that we were opening for. That's kind of like what we were writing. Uh, the local band that I was in, that's like kind of in the vein of the sound. I actually think there's a website still up that my dad pays the domain for. It's a really bad website. It's just like a <laughs> image of us trying to look hard in this old house we found. And then it's weird, like filter on it with the logo, and that you can listen to the songs. I think it's just gallowshillmusic.com. I actually, yeah, I re recorded one of the songs for my solo album. It's still held up somehow. Well, I mean, listen, you got the, <laughs> either you got the riffs or you, you don't, but I don't know how you guys didn't end up on a hill and went and built some gallows and took the pictures, you know, next to the, <laughs> the nooses or something, you know? No? Uh, no, I, don't, I couldn't find any of that, or else we might have. No, it's probably a good thing. You don't want to just stumble upon that. That's probably a bad sign. Yeah, I mean, listen, I know, you yeah. know, uh, below the Mason Dixon line, uh, maybe a bunch of white dudes hanging yeah. around a bunch of uh, <laughs> nooses. Or... Well, I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but <laughs> not where we lived, fortunately. <clears throat> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, one of the things that's kind of fascinating to me about that era, you know, was there was this real shift, right, uh, between scenes and what was becoming popular uh with young people in in heavy music but also just i would put like your generation it's like this uh 
I don't know, like 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 the the evolution of of human beings, where all of a sudden this next group of uh, guitar players and drummers and even vocalists to some degree were doing things at this insanely high level that for us, you know, just seemed like you know watching watching you guys. I was like, man, these kids seem like computers or something. Like they like programmed the the, the parts in, in in into their hands. What was it that you were uh, like, I guess, growing up playing and, and getting you into this really high level technical playing um, that that you think was like distinct to that era? So um, there's a bit of a convoluted, I don't want to say convoluted, but there was like a lot of stuff like early on kind of in like my musical journey that like got me to guitar. Guitar is actually the fourth instrument I started really? playing. Um and before that, like the very first one was piano, which is great for anyone who hasn't started playing yet. That's like a very good first instrument to start on. Um, mostly because learning theory, you know, it's a lot visually easier to understand than on most other instruments. Sure. Um, and then after that, uh, I tried playing violin in like fifth and sixth grade, and that only lasted a couple years. I was it didn't didn't work too well. Um, so I moved on, and then drums was after that, and then. That stuck really well. I was, like, obsessed with that. And then I found Dream Theater. We were at Guitar Center, and they were on, like, one of the DVDs or movie, or like or screens that they had playing. I think it was, like, Mike Portnoy in the drum section. My dad asked who it was, and the album that was out at the time was Train of Thought. Um, I think this was, like, 2003, somewhere around there. It was, like, their most recent album that was out. I was already, like, jamming, like, like Avenged Sevenfold, Waking the Fallen, and, like, all that other kind of stuff. God forbid, actually. I was obsessed with uh, Antigone, that album. <clears throat> and um, I actually, I found out about that. I think I had bought like a, like a Shadows Fall CD or something like that, like the Power of Eye and Eye back in the day. And it had a sampler disc in it that had Antihero on it. And um, I was literally like, I just bought the album from that. And then I found out about all that stuff from like the Comcast music channels back in the day. Um, but then, yeah, like, so I wanted to write songs after I heard that Dream Theater album. Can't do that with just drums because there's no yeah. notes. So, <laughs> yeah, so I picked up guitar, started practicing that. It worked the best. It clicked the best, and I got better at it fastest than everything else I had tried. So I was like, ah, maybe I should just stick with this. And then I just kept learning every Dream Theater song I possibly could, uh, every, like, Children of Bodom song I possibly could. I definitely I learned some God Forbid shit, uh, like, Pretty much anything I could find, like, tabs for or figure out how to play, I tried to learn it. Like, Ingve, Paul Gilbert, uh, Jeff Loomis, Nevermore stuff, like, just everything you could think of. I had, like, I tried writing and stuff, too, like, a little bit here and there, but mostly early on, it was just learning as much songs as I could. You know, like, Metallica albums, like, front to back, like, all with all the tab books and stuff like that. Um, and that definitely helped a ton, I think. Like, in hindsight, looking back learning all of that stuff from all these other artists was like such a huge help and my teacher that i found at the time too which was another right place right time kind of thing there's this uh guitar store called classic acts uh where i lived um and my dad was in there one day and just heard this like ingve status shredding coming from the back room and that dude gave lessons there so that was only like 10 11 months into my playing uh guitar seriously and yeah, that was another right place, right time thing because I was just, I'd only been playing a little under a year. So that's like not a ton of muscle memory development yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like a bunch, I didn't have like all these like five, 10 years of bad habits to break. So that kind of helped like accelerate uh, 
like the technique and stuff like that. Cause I didn't, it just, it wasn't hard to break any of those habits yet. Cause I'd barely been playing a year seriously. Uh, and I figured that out after I started giving lessons where, um, cause people come to me, they've been playing for like t some of them, like 10, 20 years. And I'm just like, Ooh, you're going to hate everything. I'm going to, I'm about to tell you right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, I think that's definitely kind of how it started. Like at least, um, getting to the point that I'm at now, like looking back in hindsight, it was all of that stuff. Just learning as much as I could. Great teacher. Matt Mills was his name. He gives online lessons. Um, so yeah, I've met a handful of people randomly that take online lessons with them now. And they're like, yeah, he's helped me like a shitload. I was like, yeah, listen to him. It, it worked for me. So in theory, it, it should work for you as well. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's amazing. It seems like you had such an incredible bedrock in terms of, like you said, understanding music from a piano perspective, which is the most kind of um, basic component of, of composition, and as you said, with 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 theory, and then and then coming to it, understanding drums and having and so you're like me, I didn't learn so many uh, elements of theory when it comes to rhythm and things like that till years and, and, and years later. So I'm, I'm I'm jealous of your background, but you can see how it uh, leans into this. You know, you having this fully formed ability you know as a composer and you know just all these different elements and it, it's it's kind of incredible and then you take the so you were coming in right out the gate playing like dream theater and stuff like that and children of bono or is that a little bit later uh well i had already um known of them both when i was playing drums so i was like trying to play dream theater songs and like lamb of god songs and stuff on drums like literally just down there like i had this crappy like i think it was a gibraltar rock double bass pedal i think it was the brand of it my dad found it at a guitar store for like 50 bucks or something like that um and it was a horrible pedal but i was trying to do the best i could uh with it but yeah i was trying to play all that stuff on drums first and then um i mean i think it kind of worked like i could play a lot of the or a handful of songs uh off of ashes of the wake on drums uh fine i mean i'm sure it wasn't you know like perfectly clean when i'm thinking back on it now but i could make it through some of them and feel pretty good about it even back then this is when i was like 11 12 maybe i think somewhere around there um <clears throat> but yeah but the uh I kind of lost my train of thought for a second. No, I was just I was yeah. asking when when you did really get into guitar, did yeah. you start with that really high level technical stuff, or was that something you built up to? I uh, definitely built up to, because um, uh, I learned like the basics, very basic stuff first, like GCD, um, and then I think the stuff I very first started learning was like Metallica songs, which are you know like they're not the easiest, but it's not like Dream Theater status hard by any means, so. It's definitely more like learning how to play like Inner Sandman and stuff like that yeah. is a little more foundational, I guess, than like right out the gate in the learning like Dream Theater. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, yeah. you know, I've, I've taught guitar and, and having learned mm -hmm. guitar, I feel like that bands like that are the ones that usually make kids want to play guitar because yep. it connects to kind of, you know, gateway bands as, as, mm -hmm. as we call it. But the songs are simple enough, whether it's them or... ACDC or Led Zeppelin it's it's there's it's rudimentary enough where you can kind of feel like it's not like climbing some giant you know mountain or something yep. from a from a exactly. te technical standpoint that's a great way to put it w <clears throat> were you were you utilizing uh things like YouTube in terms of uh having like just uh access to uh lessons or tabulature or things like ultimate guitar or are you like doing things by ear 
Uh, well, back then, uh, YouTube was barely starting um, when I was uh, learning all of like this basic stuff for guitar. Yeah. Um, uh, honestly, back then, mostly it was uh, like I had a lot of book, like the, the actual guitar books from like Guitar Center. I had a lot of those. Um, and sometimes they weren't right. I remember there was one Dream Theater one that it was just like wrong. Like everything, <laughs> like, like everything in it. I could literally, because I had the Live at Budokan DVD. And I was literally like, I was watching him play the part from the album and then looking at the tab and I'm like, what? Like, this is not even close to correct. So, like, the notes were kind of right for the most part, but then there was, um, like, the placement, like, where they were was just, like, it was just, like, impossible to play the way they had it laid out. So, I was literally going back and forth from, like, watching John play it on the DVD and looking at the book and, like, trying to figure out how to play it correctly. Um, since then, though, at one of his camps that I taught at, one of the kids had, had that book. I opened it and went to that section of the part, and they fixed it. So, <laughs> they've... <laughs> they've updated it since the one that i had like god that's 20 years ago now holy shit it's weird that i could say that now like because i'm like just now i'm 30 so it's like yeah like saying like two decades ago is just like well it make, makes you feel kind of old listen <laughs> man i'm 41 and you're 30 but I'm, I'm still gonna call you old all right you yeah. old ass 30 year old <laughs> yeah it's getting there dude <laughs> I've been touring for like 13 years now. Like I've got time in there. I started when I was 17. Yeah. So that's also weird to think about. I've been touring over 10 years. That's mm. well, listen, man, you've, you've, you've put your time in it. And that's actually the next thing I want to talk to you about is, uh, you know, just checking out what you've done. It seems like your first kind of break was, uh, joining up with all shall perish as a touring guitar player. Uh, can you tell me how, how that came about? Yeah, that was, um, that was all thanks to the internet. Like I was, we were at band practice one day at Gallus Hill um, with all of them, and then our other guitar player, uh, Josh Wynn, I think it was his name um, at the time. And uh, I haven't, I should hit him up. I haven't talked to him in like a decade. Uh, but he was like, "Yeah, Allshaw Parish is looking for a new lead guitar player." Uh, they had posted a MySpace bulletin, I think. <laughs> Like we're trying to like find a new uh, new guy for I can't remember exactly what happened with Chris, um, but uh, so I just learned a bunch of the songs in the wrong tuning, uh, pitch shifted the songs down to the tuning of my guitar, um, learned most of it as much as I could by ear, and and then I I think my dad recorded it on like one of those old like like those handheld ones that you have to hold like this and like look down in it with one eye. You like know a VHS about. camera or like DV8, one of those? Yeah, it recorded to like a tape, like a little like tiny tape or yeah, something yeah. like that. And then we had to figure out, uh, we got it into the computer, made like a private link. Um, my dad's a bit of a software nerd, fortunately. Um, but uh, we made like a private link for it, sent them the video. And then when I was on my way to school the next morning in high school, I was still in high school, my senior year, um, I had one of those like old, LG flip phones with the physical keyboard underneath, like nice. two screens and shit like that. And nice. I got an email driving that set like I was wasn't even expecting a response, but they had already hit me back like, yeah, let's get on the phone to like this afternoon. But what was even funnier was their their requirement was you had to be 18. Um, I was 17, but I just sent it anyway because I wasn't expecting a response. Yeah. So I was just like, fuck it. They're not even gonna reply to me. And then lo and behold, not even 12 hours later, I already have a response. And that's pretty much that. And then I dropped out uh, like February of my senior year, I think. Um, the only thing I didn't do to not graduate was just sit in a class for like five more months. 
Like I did everything. I took all the tests and all that shit. I just didn't sit there. So I'm technically still a high school dropout, but you never got your GED. Nope. Damn. Neither does Dave Grohl. He's fine. Yeah, as well, far as I know, he doesn't have it. <laughs> well, from what I know about you, I, I, I think your uh, technical acumen puts you in a very uh, elite sphere of individuals. So I think you're fine. I don't think there's any. <laughs> I don't think there's any any jobs you'd probably want to get anytime soon where they're like, "Listen, brother, we're gonna need you to go back get this yeah, GED." Need, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think I'm safe. Another thing I did that was real dumb back then to solidify only playing music was I got a monster hand tattoo. That was my first tattoo ever. There you so go. I was like, I'm just gonna go ahead and just screw myself out of a normal job, like so I can only do this. Essentially, I can say this though. I feel like that has changed because there's no uh, retail store I've been in that I don't see someone with a neck tattoo, or even I worked at the NBA mm-hmm. and I was working you know, in a you know corporate office environment and everyone had tattoos. It, I don't think that's really a thing anymore. I don't. Th- I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure not anymore. I'm sure there's certain jobs. I don't think if they'll let you be like the CEO of Apple or something, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you just have like just walking around with just like, Hey, what's up, man? I'm Tim cook. Yeah. Just like post, <laughs> post Malone, you know, sad boy tattooed underneath your, your eye. I don't know if they'll yeah, might get some funny looks. Yeah. That <laughs> high up. Or least, now yeah. we'll see maybe in 10 years, maybe, maybe all the, all the CEOs will have face tattoos and it'll just be a whole different CEO. realm. <laughs> Dude, you know, some That's, rappers got that hard. tattoo. Yeah. That maybe so you should. Hard. Maybe you should get that. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I don't face tattoos. I don't know. I'm playing. I already have a whole plan for the rest of my neck and stuff like that. But I don't know if I can do my face. I've thought well, about that and just like, uh, people just look at you differently, like oh, hands sure. and necks and like all that stuff. But if you got like just, just like, on your face, I don't know. It's not for me. It's a move. Think. It's a move. Yeah. You know, because because you know the thing is, I think when people started tattooing their faces, like, you know. If you're, you're not you're like oh you're okay you're one of those people so then mm-hmm. if you get the face that now you're going to be one of the people that you were formerly judging like oh you're one of those people. it gets it gets a little strange but you know i'm and i'm yes. trying not to be judgmental here mm-hmm. oh Even yeah though it sounded I like i was i don't have anything against face tattoos i just don't think i ever want them i have plenty of friends with them and they're yeah. all great people nor do <clears> i nor nor do i um yeah. <laughs> so what was this experience like uh joining a band that was at, at that time, I mean, in my opinion, you know, they were at the top of the heap as far as that genre. Um, you yep. know, th- that record Awaken the Dreamers, in my opinion, is probably like the best album of that era. Um, oh, it's great. And I remember the existence was awesome too. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. but I remember when I, I heard, you know, Chris story had, had left that thinking and hearing that guitar playing going, who the fuck are they going to get to play this stuff? Cause it was just, <laughs> It was one Insane. of those. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was stuff that, it, from from my perspective, felt like that next kind of level of uh, technical achievement, and you know, and then obviously they they got you. How, how what was that like being this band? I imagine you were a lot younger than everyone else in the band, right? Yeah, at least ten years. Um, I mean, I was seventeen when I joined. Um, couldn't even drink in Canada yet, uh, and I mean, it wasn't. It honestly wasn't too like weird like dynamic wise like everything was fine um we even tried uh like every everyone was super nice and welcoming that um uh ben eddie matt uh mike all of them were great mike was even um the bass player uh he was a tutor off tour a math tutor Hmm. oddly enough which you would never guess meeting him he's just always drunk a lot and just 
<laughs> you would never think like this dude's a math tutor when he goes home and teaches children. Um, <laughs> but we tried doing stuff like that, like in the van to like finish school. But yeah. we tried once, like actually tried doing. It, we were like, this isn't gonna work. It's just like this is just just like we're in a fifteen passenger van in the back. It's hot. Like everyone else is being loud and annoying, and like I, it's just it, it's not an environment conducive for learning. No, if that <laughs> so. <laughs> Kind of gave up on that. Didn't really try. Um, but um, yeah, I remember the very first show. It was at uh, I think the Boardwalk, somewhere in California. You remember oh, that in venue, Sacramento? Yeah, yeah. They had that crazy sound guy. I don't remember his name. Oh yeah, um, that guy was extra. <laughs> so extra. He was like asking me to like tweak the the knobs on my amp, and I'm just oh. like, I go up, I go up there and like pretend to do it, and he's like, great. <laughs> well, he would. <laughs> I wouldn't he touch would... anything. He would always want you to turn your amps down. He was one of those mm-hmm. guys, you know. It's like, hey guys, can you bring the volume down? You like, listen, man, yeah. can you uh shut the fuck up? All right. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I remembered his name. I can't remember it for the life of me. But that dude was a fucking character, and he meant I well though. S- he meant well, but exactly, you know, yeah. just a little much. <laughs> but I remember standing there on stage at that first show and just waiting to get nervous, but it just like it just didn't happen. I mean, I already played like a bunch of shows like my local band at Jackson stuff. So um, it, it wasn't like a new thing. I also back then, um, I used to go to the church a lot and stuff like that. I don't, I don't anymore, but I played in a church band and like all of that, all of that stuff. It was just cool, to, just fun to play. Like I remember like Christmas, we would play um, or a couple of like the Christmas special things we did. We would play like some Trans-Siberian songs and stuff like that. And I got to actually like play the shred parts and stuff. That was super cool. Um, but uh yeah, I just didn't get nervous at that first All Shall Paris show. I don't know why. Probably because, I, I mean, I just knew the songs really well, and I just never kicked in. I was literally standing there waiting to, like, start shaking, be like, oh, fuck, it's actually happening. And it just didn't. So. Well, we, we got to call you Jason Born Ready Richardson, all right? Uh, t- <laughs> Nerves of steel. <laughs> uh, nice. Like Michael Jordan in the fourth quarter, all right? No problem. Winning time. Uh, or Jason Richardson. The other basketball player. He was pretty good. He was pretty yeah. good. I think I think he made a couple all-star games, you know, dunk champion, yep. right? He, I do he, think it's cool that I get tagged in his stuff a lot now. I think is, you should meet him. Like, I think there needs to be some kind of, like, you know, social media, you know, photo op. You guys should, like, you know, get some, you know, maybe you can recreate the scene in Predator where you come up and, like, you son of a bitch, and then do the, the strong uh, handshake <laughs> thing, maybe. Yeah. I remember at Nam once there was another um, it's it's uh there was another uh there was another black guy because the basketball player is a black guy um but he literally like um, I was at Nam and I walked up to this guy I looked down at his tag, and I was like, "You're Jason Richardson too," I think we have we have a photo of it somewhere together where we're just like both holding up our name tags at Nam we're just both both named Jason Richardson, but any anytime I get tagged in the NBA thing. Like or tagging his stuff, I just comment a basketball emoji because I just think, I just think it's cool that I'm popping up first before an NBA player because like that's huge. Like, well, you're NBA you're kind of a big massive. deal. You're kind yeah. of a big deal. Keep mind, he retired. You know, I don't know, like ten years oh, ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, not to not to you know not to bring you down. I'm just saying you're kind of killing it in the in the on the internet <laughs> place. Okay, and you know you ain't played in a while. You know it's. You're doing great. Mm-hmm. And we have to say Jason Richardson in general, pretty generic name. There's a lot of Jason Richardson's probably just on earth, right? Yeah. Most you know? likely, yeah. It's not a completely unheard of name. Yeah. 
but by that, any means. But you know what? I think that gives him more credit to you when you're like the most famous of a name that's pretty common, you know, or one of the most famous, you know. Mm -hmm. so, so I'm gonna give you. Have little. you ever met another, another Doc Coil? No, and but that's not, <laughs> but my real my real name is Marlon Coil, which is also ah. pretty unique too. So mm -hmm. I, 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 I did not know that. I'm pretty Google Googleable, you know. I'm nice. one of the most Google Googleable Google people I know. Say that <laughs> five times adjective. in a row. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Nerves of Steel Richardson comes in there, nails the gig, no problem. Seventeen, you know, just feeling himself, chest pumped out. Now I'm starting to see uh, why he didn't last any bands. This dude was walking around like I'm, I'm the best. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I definitely was an idiot back then. Like looking back on what I know now, like I was. There, there's some learning that had to be done, you know, obviously yeah. with anyone's first tour. Like I definitely did do some dumb shit that I should like what? Like, like what? Tell me. Uh, I, one time I was, uh, I don't, <laughs> one thing I remembering in particular, that was a real dick move. Um, just cause I didn't know, like I, it was my, like my first tour. Um, and one of the opening bands on the tour, like there was this really hot girl at the show. She had like. Uh, we were all in vans too. Everyone was in vans. No, this wasn't a bus tour or anything like that. And uh, she gave them her number to like come and crash and stay. And I just like went up to the merch table. I was like, uh, like, oh, yo, did you guys see that hot girl? They're like, yeah, she gave us our her number so we could go and stay. I was like, oh, we're gonna do that. So I just took it. <laughs> what do you mean you like, uh, hold on explain i just you took no i just took the piece of paper this was uh, with her number on it and i was like oh no we're gonna stay there actually as yeah i don't know so it, listen, you you, yeah. you mean you took the number meaning yeah, it's like we're gonna go stay there and then just left but isn't that what you guys were gonna do you or you took it from another band yes oh okay okay i thought i thought they gave it to your band and okay now now i get it did you end up yeah. staying there no Okay. They took the they took the num the rest of the band found out about it and they took the the piece of paper the number back gave it back to them. That's right. They're gonna stuff you in a locker. You can't be doing it to grown men. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I was seventeen and it was like I I don't know. It's like like I say, it's a learning experience. That was a dick move. I hate that I did it, but you know I learned from it. So, oops. So let's talk about you. You were you're playing with All Shaw Parish. You're being a young, you know, kind of. Uh, Rug rat, you know, acting the fool sometimes, but you know, but you weren't nervous. You were kicking ass. Um, <laughs> what uh, facilitated you not playing with uh, All Shaw Parish and then joining up with Born of Osiris? Uh, so what happened with that essentially was, um, so Born of Osiris and All Shaw Parish did a co-headliner tour together uh, called Night of the Living Shred was the name of it. Nice. And um, Tosin Abasi was playing for Born of Osiris on that tour. Oddly enough, if you didn't know that, he played for them for a few tours. Um, I did. Yeah, and Animals as Leaders got their first tour ever uh, booked on that tour. Like it got confirmed and like set in stone. Um, I think it was like I think it was between the Buried and Me, Vale Maya, and Animals as Leaders opening was the tour, and. That tour was at the same exact time as a Born of Osiris tour coming up, and they needed someone to fill in. And All Shaw Parish wasn't touring at all during that time, so I was just like, "Oh, I'll do it." Like you guys are my favorite band at the time, so yeah, I'll definitely come fill in for you. 
uh and then like every day on that tour for the most part like they were like begging me to join uh practically and eventually i just caved and did it because i mean they were literally like one of my favorite bands at the time so yeah yeah it was and honestly the decision made me like sick like i was so talking talk about nerves of steel i definitely wasn't like having to like talk to them like i was literally like 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 i threw up a couple times i was so like I felt like so bad yeah. about bailing on them and then joining uh, the Born of Osiris uh, guys, but um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it uh, with that. How I got into them, they just like I've been, I just thought, kept thinking about it, and thinking about it, and I was like, this would definitely be a little bit cooler. Like they're all more my age, closer to my age. Yeah, I like them. I like the music better. Um, there are some other more like kind of like business things happening on the back end of the All Show Paris stuff. I don't want to say that's just like maybe kind of like eh. Uh, so yeah, I mean it. It definitely was kind of like like it's it was shitty a little for sure because they like brought me on, got me like put in the spotlight. I met them, Born of Osiris guys, because of All Show Parish, all that kind of stuff. So it's like I get why they were like bummed out and mad about it, but I don't know. Everything happens for a reason, so. Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, you met your current girlfriend because she was friends with your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yes. A yeah, that's bit. a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> Which happens, but it's not, you know, it's not a clean uh, transition. Let's put it that way. It can create yes. some uh, acrimony yeah. yep. <laughs> amongst the in- in- individuals. Um, but no, so you were you joined up with, with Born of Osiris and, you know, you got to actually, you know, be in the band and yep. make a make a record with them uh the discovery which was you know ironically enough the record i discovered uh born of osiris and Ooh. and and you yeah well it was actually through <laughs> uh jason sukoff who yes. uh yep. god forbid uh went down to jason's to me and byron were doing vocals uh for our last album that, that we did e- equilibrium and he was like just raving about the record because i guess he had just mixed it right yeah he mixed it Mm -hmm. yeah and he was but he was talking about um a song uh follow the signs and he was like dude he's he's like this is the next river dragon you know uh which which for for those listening uh Mm -hmm. you know this nevermore song the river dragon has this guitar part that was like kind of like a a game yeah like a game changer part because of kind of what was uh technically happening and also, like melodically, it was just incredible, and it was also just probably their best song that they had written. So it had all these yep. things going for it. it. Really, like pushed. The song is so still so sick, and I exactly. still remember yeah. how to play that diminished arpeggio part. Like it's such a sick part. Yeah, I try and play it and just fail. So you know, I'm I'm stuck. <laughs> you know, maybe I need to, maybe to get some lessons from Jason Richardson to, to figure out how to how to suck less. But I can uh, show you how to play it. But I remember what's that? I can show you how to play it. I know technically how to play. I know what's going on. My hands just won't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I can know, help. Uh, I got you. Please. I'll take what I can get. I'll take what I can get. Okay. But uh, <laughs> but but no, this this um, follow the signs part, uh, he was raving about it. And then when I finally heard it, I was like, yeah, this, this is no joke. This is incredible. And I became a fan of what you guys were doing. Uh, on that whole record, I think that whole record is 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 really cool. Just the combination of kind of like this polyrhythm super heavy thing going on but then 
I loved melodically what was happening with kind of these uh, synth arrangements and, and, and the melodies. Yep. It almost felt like you guys were combining like gent core with anime music. Does that does that make sense? Or like video game inspired melodies yeah, that works. Like from from like some yeah. of the 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 um the scoring that you would hear and like and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's what it kind of that's what felt fresh about it to me. Yeah, that's a fair assessment for sure. So mm-hmm. what so what about follow the signs? Did who who wrote that by the way? I don't want to jump on his toes. Uh that was a combination of uh Lee and myself for the most part. Um mm-hmm. it was like like Lee wrote like half the song and I wrote uh the other half. I wrote like the main big part in the song uh like the that breakdown pattern uh, i i wrote the synth line um back i think i did yeah, i think i wrote all of that back when i was still in that gallus hill local band honestly really like around like 15 16 years old was the majority of when that stuff was written uh obviously revamped it a little bit um when it came time to put it on the discovery um but there was honestly uh i think and joe the keyboard player uh, he like redid some of the tones and stuff uh, for the actual synth parts. I think Cameron wrote one little synth part uh, earlier in the song. Um, that one was honestly like a good combination of like everyone like coming together. But the like the the meat of it though was mostly Lee and myself. Um, but that big first breakdown, I wrote that pattern. Uh, the lead and stuff at the end, obviously as well. Uh, that honestly, that song almost got us. Um, kicked off the label at one point because uh they were trying to mess with the arrangement so much and we just like hated every single thing that the label was doing yeah. that we were like threatened to leak our own material if they wouldn't stop <laughs> so we say like, the label do you mean just ash was coming in was like yo let's try this kind of i yeah, mean i, I, love, I wasn't gonna say it but yeah it was well, I, love, I love ash i've had ash on the show i've known, <laughs> known him forever but i i know he's you know and it's and it's by the way, it's because he gives a shit, right? It's yes, not no, it's everyone not, did. Yeah, that's why we were pushing back so hard too. Yeah, we were just yeah. It's not because he's you know uh, you know I wouldn't say it's like oh he's just coming and trying to fuck up the band. I think he has a vested interest and he believes in his you know because Ash is a very creative person, right? He was in a band, mm-hmm. he makes movies, he does all this stuff creatively, so he has a you know a, a vested interest in there. But I've also been in your position where the label wants blank and you're having to to fight for what you want you know yep mm-hmm. well no i mean it ended up working out uh obviously the song came out great and um it just was a painstaking battle to get to that point it could have been navigated like a little bit better a little bit better but in the long run it ended up working out fine uh, and the song is what were the they trying to do with awesome. it just like moving parts around and like weird lyrics and stuff like that and trying to have other people like other uh uh producers like chop stuff up uh with arrangements and stuff like that without telling us that would drive me crazy yeah um i mean we definitely butted heads like for sure but like it ended up coming out fine and working out in the long run fortunately so it's it's true right that you didn't by the time the record came out, were you even still in the band? Yes. Yeah, you I was were. still in the band. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, but you yeah. didn't last that long, right? After that, right? Uh, I was in the band from 2000, late end of 2009, all the way to the end of 2011. 
okay. I think. But the record yeah. came out in 2011, so not that long. Yeah, March. It came out in March of 2011, I believe. Yeah. Okay, so you did you dropped. did a good amount of that that year on on the road with, with the guys. Yeah, we did a couple tours off it for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, this yeah, it, it's always just a touchy subject, like talking about them now. Like I just did a, yeah. uh, like actually, this is a good thing to br- bring up. Um, I just did a uh, a podcast with Adam L. Macias. You know him, right? The photographer guy. I don't know. Yeah, well, he's great. He's he's insane. He's a, a like a, an insanely talented uh, photographer. He got um, a lot of notoriety from doing like Pierce the Veil and A Day to Remember and all of that kind of stuff. So he was like their touring uh, content guy. Okay. And I did his podcast not too long ago, and we talked about like uh, this kind of the same, a little bit of the same kind of stuff, or like just like my journey through all the thing and talked about like Born of Osiris and transitioning from band to band and stuff like that and. All these head, all these outlets, cherry picked this one little line I said. That's what they do, <laughs> and turned it into the most bullshit clickbait like I've ever seen. And it like blew, like uh, like it blew up on one of the Facebook ones. I was scrolling by and I saw this headline. I was like, "It's like, are you kidding me right now?" It had like three hundred comments or something on the post on Facebook. I was like, "Oh my god, I have to say something." I literally said, "I think what I said was." me getting kicked out of born osiris was one of the best things that happened in my career because like and it was just in passing like i wasn't like being malicious or anything like that like in hindsight yes not being with those that in that band anymore was a very good thing for my career i joined chelsea grin toured with them for four years if i hadn't done that i might not have started my solo career then i wouldn't have like possibly got a signature music man guitar went and taught at john petrucci's guitar camps toured with dream theater in europe with my solo project or with be with all that remains now like who would have known you know what i mean like yeah. none of that stuff would have happened so they just cherry picked that one line and then it circled around like all of these different outlets on the internet like just stirring the pot again of this my past with them yeah it's like so stupid <laughs> well we don't listen we don't we don't have to kind of rehash something especially if you um yeah. if you just you know kind of cover this ground on a on, on another another podcast um well, and i'm fine. and i'm kind of well i'm kind of the opposite where you know mm-hmm. i don't i almost purposely don't go for that stuff and especially mm-hmm. when stuff is touchy and also you know i'm i'm a musician in this scene as well and so i i know a lot of people and i sometimes people think because you know, I'll talk to this person on the show, or or, or, or they'll tell tell their side of the story that I, that I'm taking a side or whatever. Where at the end of the day, I just at the you know, I want this to be a platform for whomever's on the show to to share their perspective. You know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. No, I'm totally but, fine with talking yeah. about it because everyone that listens to your podcast probably hasn't listened to that other one. Sure. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. So it's like this is like a completely different audience that has like possibly no idea who i am you know what i mean well they know now all right this is yes. this, is, this is the real <laughs> this next this is where you come all right to, to, <laughs> let, to, to set the record straight okay? yes <laughs> but i'm <laughs> no. totally fine talk because i would like touching on that like how it just like like all those outlets they just like cherry pick bullshit completely out of context just for at like a few cents of ad money like because yeah. you go and look at that ad article it's literally like eight 90 percent ads with like three lines of content just like yeah come on well, guys well the thing that's interesting <laughs> about it, like my interpretation of the quote is to me it's someone 
where like at what it what how it makes sense to me is that something that seems bad in the moment ends mm-hmm. up becoming like you're just kind of looking if you look back and go well actually if this bad thing didn't happen at the time then all this good good stuff wouldn't have happened and it's not really you know uh yep. to me i don't hear that and go oh he's shitting on those guys i just hear it mm-hmm. is you know this thing that seemed unfortunate to actually worked out in the long haul which i think is you just being a positive person and going hey if you actually if you're being real if this didn't happen this wouldn't happen and that's okay and it's not really an admonishment on anyone you know yep yep but when people are scrolling on doom scrolling on facebook or all this other stuff they just read the headline they don't even click the article and then they just leave a dumb uninformed comment on there and then it snowballs yeah i mean we're yep. listen if you, <laughs> if you look at i feel like 90 percent of the stuff that tracks on you know metal news sites and by the way i don't think this is the site's fault i think it's the fans faults because they're the ones that respond to this stuff right like yeah uh, mm-hmm. which is either beef band beef or like political stuff like this person said something crazy about this and mm-hmm. You know, here's, you know, controversial, controversial statement by whomever. And it's because, you know, when, if you look at the, what gets the the views, what gets the clicks, what gets the downloads, it's Corey Taylor said some shit about MGK and vice versa. Yep. Right. And Negativity so sells, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And that's, that's, that that's on us. So it's like, you, you can say, Hey, these, these sites shouldn't do that or whatever, uh, but that's what's gonna kind of get get the traffic. And I, I can say with with my show though, the thing that's kind of cool. Like I I did the episode with uh, Rob Trujillo. I was I was I was talking about on yep. that on the show we did. Yeah, that shit's and crazy. The stuff that got picked up by all the websites was a thousand percent positive. It was just Rob talking about basically the best how to be in a band and how to take care of each. It was like the most. It made me so happy that like something got nice. picked up that was all. Yeah. It was it was the literal opposite of that, you know, and I yeah. thought that was great. And that's really what I want my show to be is like people like yourself telling your st- story and showing other people kind of the way or like, hey, I made these mistakes. Don't do what I did, you know, yep. mm-hmm. and, you know, kind, yeah. of, kind of lead by example in that in that yep. regard. That's but, kind of why I like or talking about that dumb thing I did when I was 17 on like yeah. my second tour. Like, just don't be that guy. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. 
Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts? Thank you. Hey, when you're 17, <laughs> yeah. if if you're you know in the rare position to be that young, out with a band, you're you're gonna do some stupid shit. I yeah, think. it gets to your head a little bit for sure, and it did. In hindsight, it definitely. I thought I was really fucking cool, and uh, needed to pump the brakes a little bit. Right. Born ready, baby, Jason. Born yeah. ready, Richardson. All right, that's just how <laughs> it is. <laughs> My new moniker. Oh <clears throat> um, yeah. no, but I mean, I mean, so I'm again. I I don't really need to get too much into in, into what went down or i mean was the situation were you actually kicked out or is it like a mutual yes. thing you were kicked no out. it was not mutual um okay. all the information's on the internet if someone yeah. wants to go down that rabbit hole they can they can find it it's there but how, uh but yes i was kicked out um how did you feel this like like w- was there a sense of kind of emotional rejection yeah 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 i was because it, it in hindsight it shouldn't have been a surprise but at the time when it went down, it was, and I was definitely like, holy shit, like, what am I going to do now? And then, yeah. um, I called my friend, uh, Dan, Dan Jones and Chelsea Grin, just a vent essentially. Um, and they had just lost their guitar player. His name was, uh, Michael Stafford, uh, who had wrote most of this stuff. His, that story is also really sad. I don't know if I should, uh, uh go into detail about it, but, um, as essentially he quit uh, for like very sad, very sad reasons that no one could foresee. Um, so we kind of just made the best out of two shitty situations. Uh, I just jokingly said, you should let me join your band to Dan. And he was like, uh, let me call you back. (laughs) And then like four hours later, I was going to Europe with them and like two weeks. And that was my first tour of Chelsea grin. I mean, it seemed to work out. Well, I mean, they're they're a band that 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 had a name, and I and at the time, I felt like I was a little disaffected with that style of music, so I w- I wasn't as in touch mm-hmm. with what what was going on. But going back and listening uh, to those two records you with them, the Evolve EP and Ashes to Ashes, I was mm-hmm. really impressed with how good nice. uh, that band was, um, or is. I don't I don't know the the, the current. Yeah, they're still they're still going. Yeah. Um, yep. But I was just really blown away by just how cool 
the music was and and just it was great i was just very impressed with the with the talent level Thanks, of the man. band so it's so despite your um <clears throat> you know misfortune you you were, you were dealing with you seem to kind of hit everything in stride yep yep yeah it was literally just like i, I literally just jokingly said I was like, you should let me join your band to dan and then he called everyone else in the band management all that stuff and then they're like we'll buy you a ticket to europe right now but like like this is like you got to like this is serious and i was like yep let's fucking do it <clears throat> and I, mean, I think it was asking alexandria headliner in europe was um and this was like 2012 so like all of this stuff was like popping off pretty hard back then yeah mm -hmm. no for sure for sure that mm -hmm. that that scene was 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 bumping i mean yep. what was it like for you where you, where you were kind of like at one point you know doing like the local band thing and then you fast forward a few years later you've played in some of the most prominent and influential bands in that, in that scene. Um, did it feel kind of like a whirlwind of like, Oh, I'm with this band and with this band and with that band or, or you kind of just was, did it feel like a natural progression? Uh, in the moment, it definitely felt more natural. I mean, it, I definitely, it makes me look like I can't get along with anyone and I'm just a band whore, but <laughs> So, so that's why I like, because I mean, I'm in like my fourth touring band now, I think, with all that remains. But again, that was another like me being with them, like technically shouldn't have happened. Like yeah. uh, if it, everyone doesn't know um, our friend, I mean, you knew Ollie as well, right? You yeah, know, all very, those guys very, really, very well. well. Very well. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously I shouldn't even be in the band, but shit happens. Uh, he passed away and they're part of the reason they asked me is because we were already all, all were friends. Yeah. And we had all toured together before. Um, and they knew I could play the stuff. We all know we got along. So when Ollie passed away, the album was about to drop and they already had tours lined up. So we were like, yeah, can you come fill in? And I was like, yeah, like, of course. Of course I'll come play. Yeah, um, you're the perfect. I mean, I can't think of too many people that would fit in that well with, with, with what they're, they're doing. But there's a pretty big gap between... You know, you leaving Chelsea Grin and then the All That Remains thing, which I, I really want to get into. Um, mm -hmm. You leaving uh, Chelsea Grin, was was that a firing or is that you deciding to no, that was on? that was amicable. Gotcha. That was like, we all talked about it and we're just like, yeah, this is... Because um, what it came down to, uh, the, one of the, the main reason why I left is because uh, I wrote my song that's on my solo album with Spencer from Periphery called Retrograde. And I intentionally... Like the first version of that song, I intentionally was being reserved writing it because mm. you can't like any of the songs on my solo album, you couldn't release that as like a Chelsea Grin song, if that makes sense. It's like not the right demographic. It's not what like three albums of a fan base is expecting to hear. So when I wrote Retrograde and presented it to the band, they said it was too much. And that was kind of like, and that was me doing a simpler version of it because i had other ideas in my head that i put back i put them in the song after i knew it wasn't going to be used for a chelsea grin one and that was kind of the straw on the camel's back for me i was like i just don't this isn't the outlet anymore for me to write the stuff that i want like i don't want to be like intentionally like leaving super complicated intense parts out just because uh it's doesn't not fit. what's most agreeable to the majority of all the members in the band if that yeah. if i think is a polite way to word it um but yeah so that's uh, and then just their buttoned heads a little bit like dynamic wise like oh, we're all still friends i still talk to all of them we all hang out when we come through the cities and stuff like that um 
but yeah, it just got to a point where it was just like, yeah, this just makes the most sense. Like, and it was just a, it was a, it was an amicable parting of ways for sure. And they even like posted about my Indiegogo for my solo album and all that stuff when I left. So that's great. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, but yeah, d- go ahead. Do you feel like, you know, was, was this kind of an instant revelation about I'm going to do a solo record or I'm going to go solo? Or is this something while you're even composing this kind of in the back of your head? Like at some point I probably should do something that is representative of 100% of my vision. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I had already had one song written, um, Titan, the second song off my first solo album. Dude, that song uh, is a that- beast. Thanks. There's some crazy <laughs> shit on there. I'm it's like, a God, damn. <laughs> it's a battle for me to convince Luke to play that one live. I have because of the double bass that's in it. He oh, hates yeah. playing that song. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's, it's funny because like I have enough like the director and editor on like some of my new music video or the newest music videos that I'm doing. Um, we I went and had lunch or a dinner with him after a meeting for the next music video we're doing, and that was the one song he brought up for our like our CD release show that we have planned at the Whiskey on July 21st. He was like. Are you guys going to do that one? And it's Titan. I'm just like, guess what Brian just asked about, Luke? <laughs> He's like, God damn it. Because <laughs> it's a guitar song. Like, it for sure is. Like, he didn't even, like, want to do a video for it. So I just did a playthrough of my own on my own channel. And it's got, like, 1.5 million views. I was like, dude, people like that song, man. Like, we can't just overlook it. It's like, badass. <laughs> just because it's-, it's fast as shit and it's hard to play. Like, he could play it. It's just, like, he's just he's just, like... Uh, oh, my camera's dead. You can't see me. I was like grimacing and like trying to play <laughs> drums really fast. <laughs> well, it's like, listen, we can climb Everest. Doesn't mean yes. we should. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some frozen bodies on the way. But, <laughs> but, but, but dude, this, um, you know, I was checking out the record and it's incredible, man. Like I was Thank you. really, really impressed. Uh, it came out, it's called One, one just One? Yes. Okay, yep, I'll make just sure it's one. not I, mm-hmm. but One. Uh, Roman, it could go either Ro- way. Roman numeral One. Um, and the I think the one thing that, that stood out to me first is the production is incredible. Uh, yeah, Taylor you know, Larson is a beast, dude. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's my favorite. I don't think I'll, I'll, I'll we'll never work with anyone else when it comes to like mixing and stuff like that. So you record of- everything on your own and then he'll mix it? That was actually the first record was all tracked at his old studio, gotcha. uh, up in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. Um, he since moved to a and to a different studio, uh, but yeah, that everything about that one, besides like the orchestration and stuff, um, all like all the programming stuff was already done and printed, and I went out there. But all guitars, bass, and drums, all that was tracked, edited, and uh, mixed out there. Did uh, did Luke <clears throat> do real drums? Yep. Mm-hmm. Is it a situation where you'll like program it while you're writing or you actually do some composition with him and bring him into the process or is he more or less interpreting your ideas? Uh, it's both. So yeah. every now, so I'll do like the meat and potatoes of everything like program wise. Um, and then when it comes down to actually recording everything, like he listens to the fuck out of all of it and like learns it and then puts his own flair on everything. And then he'll try new ideas out while we're in the studio and stuff, tracking and stuff. Like, he's like, oh, what do you think of this? I'm like, yeah, that's sick. Let's do that. And then every now and then on some songs, he'll come over and give me a beat to write to. So oh. like, uh, that's how the song Fragment started. He gave me a drum beat and I just wrote to that drum beat that he gave me. And that song definitely wouldn't have came out the way it w- uh, did 
uh, if he hadn't have done that. There's no way. Uh, he gave me actually, I think Fragments was actually, he gave me two drum beats to start working with. And then I just took those, embellished on them, and expanded upon them. Um, and the same thing with one of our newer, our new singles that we just dropped earlier this year, uh, Ishimura. Like, there's a section in that song later where he gave me a drum beat, and I wrote to that. And it's funny, I sent when I sent it back to him, he's like, "That's not what I heard in my head at all when I sent you this beat, but it's still really sick." <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's just funny how things like that work out. Like he's hearing it one way, and then he gives it to me, and then I write to it, and it's like something completely different than what he was hearing in his head. What's your uh, hit like? What's your history with Luke? How did you guys become buddies and start working together? So Chelsea Grin and The Word Alive did a co-headlining tour together back in um, 2013, I think is when it was called the Real Sick Tour, and uh, we just clicked there. We were like uh, me and one of the other guitar players at the time, uh, Tony. Like we were all just like working out together and hanging out and shit like that, and then. Uh, we just talked. We're like, yeah, you want to do some stuff together? It's like, we're both like, you're sick. And he's like, you're sick. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's see what happens. So, and we just, and then when I quit, I hit him back up. Or when I quit Chelsea Grant, I hit Luke back up. I was like, yo, you like, you serious about this? You want to come play drums on this shit? He's like, fuck it. Yeah, let's do it. And then we thought we were just going to have a sick album. But, it, and then it ended up popping off like way harder than either of us anticipated it to do. So we're like, ah, oh, maybe we actually like, we like need to do something with this and not just to have an album. Like we need to like keep pursuing this and like pushing this project. And then it just kept growing and growing, growing, growing. I think like when I first, when the first album came out, I maybe had like 20 or 30,000 followers or something like that on Instagram. And now it's like 10 times that. So if that's indicative of anything, then uh yeah it seems to be working people like it so dude it's incredible awesome. like i was <laughs> i was so so impressed because it's you know i despite being a guitar player and, and enjoying you know technical playing and all that you know what's kind of revealed in, in a lot of these solo uh ventures is that you know not all these players are, are good songwriters or kind of understand something broader than just playing impressively and i think mm -hmm. I, you know, I think, you know, you write like a composer, even though it's not like all orchestrated like that. It, you know, there's obviously super heavy riffs and, and all that stuff, but everything breathes, you know, and there's there's dynamics, there, there's there's melody, there's movements, there's things you can kind of connect to, you know, and, you know, in the same way that I, that I think uh, Animals as Leaders has had so much success because it's yeah, not just awesome. it's not just a shred fest. It's actually like the music has an emotional strain that yep. you can connect to that really even if you don't understand what's happening technically you can connect to just as a human being you know mm -hmm. yeah i always try to keep pretty much exactly what you just said uh in the back of my head when i'm writing like always pop structure like repeating parts um dynamics ups and downs and need space to breathe it can't just be like relentless the entire time because even that song we were talking about earlier titan like that song's like out the gate just like fucking like 20 out of 10 like <laughs> but then like a minute or two in it dies back down and like it's like a release it like breathes for a little bit there's like this like calmer like interlude section before it kicks back up again <clears throat> i always try to do things like that for sure just to, like like give people a break for just like a second before it goes back into chaos <laughs> what is do you have a uh like strict 
schedule or routine when it comes to practicing, writing, um, content creation, things like that? Or do you just kind of flow with it? I just kind of flow with it. I don't really... Uh, I. I've I've thought about trying to do something like that, but then like the more like when it comes time to actually do it, it just like I don't know. Make that would make it feel more like a job. If, yeah, you know what I mean. If I had like a strict like bullet pointed kind of regimented thing, um, but it does get kind of overwhelming at times. Like right now, like I'm just juggling like so many different things all that have to do with getting the album ready to go for release, the CD release show that we have coming up. Um, because I I don't I don't have a manager right now. That's a whole another story that's uh a lot <laughs> uh, like every cliche business thing you could think that does isn't going to happen to you happened yeah. um so i'm doing all this myself right now um so like making sure all the products get ordered um like the tab book cds the pick tens all that stuff i'm doing the tab book uh myself actually my friend is supposed to be coming over tomorrow who does uh movie score type shit like transcriptions for like choir arrangements for like disney films and shit uh, he's going to help me proof like stuff for like nitpicky, like proper notation stuff tomorrow. So I can send that off to get printed. Um, yeah, man. It's just, and I have like stuff that I need, like videos and stuff I need to be filming to like walk through in my plugin. I need to do, I'm flying to gear fest next weekend to do stuff for Sweetwater. Like it's just, and then there's, we're doing a music video shoot at the end of this month, right after I get back, the album's coming out. Like it's just one thing after another it's just like an onslaught of stuff right now it's kind of overwhelming but yeah yeah but i mean you know just, just all look, good yeah but looking at it kind yeah. of from, from my perspective you, you seem like someone who has kind of an entrepreneurial mind and you're able to kind of uh monetize in all these different areas you know and and like so the the, the first record it, it was that self-released or was that on a label yes Mm -hmm. self-release yeah that was uh yeah and this next one is also self-release as well um but yeah i just did an indiegogo uh back in the day and it raised like i think like thirty-three thousand was mm -hmm. like the final amount uh that got raised it's amazing for it <clears throat> sorry that's amazing yeah it was kind of mind-blowing i just like i had just left the notifications on for the fundraiser on my phone so i'm like every day i'd like beat like see stuff come in i'm like this is fucking weird this is so <laughs> sick <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, and I bet if you did one now, it'd probably be even much bigger because, you know, like you said, I, I mean, I'm looking at the the stream numbers uh, are fantastic. And I'm looking, you know, your music videos are getting, you know, in the million plus views and, and, and things like that. Yeah, some which, of the older ones are getting up there now, which is crazy. I think yeah. one of them is like 2.5 and it's yeah. just like instrumental shred. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm really impressed in the production value in, you know, especially this this one you just put out. Uh, let's see, how I can pronounce this. Pumbachu. Yes. Okay. Uh, you did that right. Yeah. Dude, that <laughs> video is sick as hell, man. You guys, you you have a bunch of different um, sets, and you're like changing it up. And you're doing. You have this kind of cool like uh, mass costume thing going on, and it, there's a lot of attention to detail. And clearly, I look at something like that. I don't know how much it costs, but it doesn't seem like you're you're skimping too much when it comes to actually putting out something that's super high quality. Yeah. No, I had that idea in my head for that video, and I knew if I just didn't go for it, I'd be pissed at myself for the rest of my life. So I was just like, just got to fucking do it. It was like, just got to do this idea. Just just roll with it. And then, uh, but actually, fortunately, uh, my, my friend Brian, who Luke and I uh, met, um, 
through. We did that. We did a song for that G2 esports team. They like wrote this like power metal song um, for like a, a jersey, their new jersey re reveal or whatever. And uh, they hired us to re-record everything and like put our flair on the stuff that was written. And the editor on that video ended up being like a massive fan of Luke and I. And we got put in touch uh, from there. And he does stuff like, uh, like he works on like crazy shit that I never would have thought I'd be like working with anyone that's doing like, you know, Sprite commercials or Coinbase commercials and like stuff like that. He's like an editor of that caliber. So he's very connected out here with like everyone in like the film world and stuff like that. Um, so that video was essentially like all the one that we were talking, the Pumbachu video was like all as many favors as we could possibly pull with all these people that he knows that are like doing like actual net like stuff like for netflix and color grading adele music videos and shit so yeah i was just like like wow <laughs> like so that's why that video looks so insanely good like just there's like people are just like i just got put in touch with the right person at the right time and they're all big fans and just down to help create this stuff together and like just make it as sick as possible while not having it cost you know like 80 grand or whatever the fuck <laughs> yeah man it would have been if i had paid full price for everything yeah i mean that's <clears throat> that's that's totally true man because you have to i think in in, in many ways right like these music videos which is kind of interesting because i think at some point uh you know when mtv kind of started going away and with like music videos there was this idea that maybe music videos wouldn't be as important or that uh there wouldn't really be money to mm -hmm. to fund them and then it kind of flipped when YouTube got really big, where in some ways, I wouldn't say videos are more important than they used to be, but they're just as important because I feel like they're, it's like a business card, right? Like yep. it's, it's like, hey, this represents what we do at the moment. And if you blow that, right, if you have something out there that does not represent you well, it can actually have the opposite effect where it makes you, it can make you look amateur or make you yep. look like you're not taking it seriously or you know, it's just, it, it's, it's yeah. something that you really have to, ha have to focus on. And, and it, I don't think it necessarily needs to look expensive or that it costs a lot of money, but it, it should look like you gave a shit, you know, that yep. you actually care and that you're trying to get something across. I think people would appreciate a iPhone video as long as it feels like there's something like uh, mm -hmm. real and cool and like, uh, um, you know, uh, authentic, I guess. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This next music video we're doing to have drop. Um, we're gonna we're doing another one at the end of the month to have ready to go on release day. Uh, when the album drops on July fifteenth. Um, and it's gonna be like I I thought the Pumba video, Pumba Chu video was a lot. And this one, granted, it's gonna have less locations. Uh, that we're filming at, it's turning out to be like even more like intense and overwhelming. But it's gonna be like so insane when it's done. Um, it's essentially just like. Of wit we're doing planning this like weird like witch ritual to like match the song so it's gonna like have all these like like this choreographed like dance well quote unquote dance type thing but like missy um the makeup and costume person that did the stuff for your guys newest video as well yeah she's out yeah she's out here and uh she actually she knows a ton about like actually all like this like legit witch occult ritual stuff so like we literally like i came to her this idea with her this idea i was like i couldn't have hit up like the more perfect person to like consult about like how to do this properly so it's gonna be 
wild looking. And honestly, too, um, uh, do you know who Tina Guo is? Cello player? Uh, I do not know. I don't think so. If you've watched a movie, you've heard her play cello. Gotcha. Because <laughs> uh, she's Hans Zimmer's number one favorite cello player. That's amazing. Like, ever. Yeah, she, like, was just... The reason that we're actually having to do this video now and not... And P the Pumbuchu one came out first was because uh, she had to go do a three-month European tour with Hans Zimmer. Wow. Hans Zimmer Live. So we were like, okay, you said you're, you're down to be in the video, so we obviously... We can... Uh, cater to your schedule and film this when you're available so we did the puma video first and now that she's back home uh now we're doing this one it was like you can't pass something that's fucking insane like no that's Tom zimmer's number one cello like her favorite cello player is like and I, I down to be in this music video for this song because she has a cine samples uh sound library where you mm -hmm. can like play her like it's her cello and her playing this library and i use that a ton on the song so and she was in that G2 Esports thing. That's how I should have prefaced with that. She was in that video with Luke and I, and that's how we got in touch with her. Um, sent her the song. We're like, yo, I used your library on this. Uh, so you technically played on it, but didn't, if that makes sense. <laughs> and she thought the song was super sick. And she was like, yeah, this I, I love it. Let's do it. And now we're filming the video at the end of this month. So that's, that's incredible. I mean, <laughs> it's... One of my kind of takeaways when I look at everything you're you're doing, it, in a sense, because you're doing it independently, you kind of intrinsically understand that if you don't do these things, right, uh, mm -hmm. nothing will happen, right? If you don't create, uh, this essentially is, you know, you're marketing your music, you're marketing uh, yourself and, and Luke as, you know, uh, a duo and, and, yep. and also your, yourself as kind of a, your own person. And it's funny because I feel like uh, when you're on the label, you know, and you'll and you'll and maybe, maybe you've experienced this when you were, you know, in some of your previous mm -hmm. bands where, the you know, it's like, hey, we need you guys to shoot this video or, hey, we need you guys to do this Instagram thing. And people kind of treat it like, uh, oh, like dad. Yep. <laughs> mom. Yep. All right, mom. I'll go yeah. to the video. Right. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> it must completely. Uh, your perspective must be so different on that because you're the one uh, initiating all this stuff and going, all right, I have to do this. I have to do that. Is that something that you kind of know instinctually or is it something you've kind of learned when you've, when you realize like, Hey, I'm, this is my career. And if I'm, if I'm not the one kind of pushing this stuff, it's just not going to happen. Yep. No, I, uh, I definitely think it's definitely a little bit of both for sure. Um, I de the the hardest part about like uh not having a label like you know breathing down your neck to get this stuff done is um just fronting all of like the budget and yeah. stuff like that like coming up with the money somehow to pay for all of this stuff up front and then you know I mean it's it's an investment like you'll get the money back and I'm like some of these music videos are like they're getting pretty up there like price wise even with favors and stuff like that but I'm just kind of crossing my fingers and be like all right this will this will pay off. It's going to make like our whole brand like look that much bigger, like perception wise with having like this kind of quality of uh, content. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely do have to put my foot down and just be like, all right, if I, I, like you just said, I'm the one that has to do all this stuff and drive the ship, especially since I don't have a manager right now um, or even a booking agent, that whiskey show. I just know the girl who works, works there and we, she just put it together for me. So 
hopefully if that bitch sells out, I'll be able to just go and <laughs> shop around and find a, a sick ass agent, or maybe even hit up just all the remains agent and be like, hey, let's let's do some stuff. <clears throat> no, it's amazing you're doing it. You're yeah. doing it all 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 DIY and and it's all working out well, which which tells me, a you you work really hard and you have a sense. You know what you're doing. You know, to to at least some degree. <laughs> you yeah, know? I you wish know? I could just sit in my room over there and just play video games all day, but I literally just like have to be like, "Fuck!" Like, yeah, I have shit I need to do. Like, yeah. I just want to go play video games for ten hours, but <laughs> I need to practice so I can play my songs, and I have to finish my tab book, and I have to be productive and do my job. Yeah, yeah. then I, I can mean, go waste time and play well, video games. Yeah, well, clearly <laughs> you're you're a, a big video game guy. It seems like there's all this stuff that's incorporated within your music videos that that reference that. What's your uh, yep. what's your history with, with with video games and how does that kind of correlate to your music interest? So, um, well, I wish my camera wasn't being an uh, asshole right now <laughs> um, because I do have like Nemesis Link. The original Doom, Duke Nukem, Luigi, South Park, uh, Stick of Truth, uh, Rubik's Cube. That's all on my left arm. So my left arm is literally all just like video game shit. And then Train, th train of Thought from Dream Theater uh, up on my shoulder. Um, but I don't, I've just always been obsessed with video games. Like I think it probably started with like Doom, like the original Doom uh, back on MS-DOS. And I would play that like on my dad's computer, like way back in the day, my mom would be like, why are you letting him play that? And he's like, he has no idea. He's just like, he has no idea what he's looking at. Like he's just shooting stuff. He doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> it's just fun. Um, and then from there, I just dude, they were just always there. I just always had them. Cause I just loved them so much. Um, I remember, or I think my first one ever that I owned was N64. It was my first console that I got for Christmas. And that was like, I remember opening that, like still to this day, vividly, like opening that on Christmas, just losing my mind. Like, I'm sure you've seen some of those videos of kids back in the day where they open it, they just start screaming. Like that was yeah. me. I, I was that kid, like that excited about it. Um, then when I, to get a PlayStation one, my mom had this like a uh, mailing business that she did where she like, you know, put the, you would have like the sticks, the glue sticks, uh, not necessarily like a glue stick, but it had like the foam pad and you'd put like the adhesive on there, put the label on there. So um, she had a business doing that for a little bit and I helped her and I did like, I remember I did, she was like, if you do all of these, we'll get you a PlayStation. So she bribed me essentially with that and I just did like, dude, hundreds of them. Like it hurt. Like I did so fucking many of them and then they bought me a PlayStation and then they would time, my parents would time me or, or like only let me play for you know like a certain amount of time so on weekends i would wake up early before they got up i would like wake up a couple hours before they got up so i could get in like some more time playing games before they knew that i was already playing <laughs> like because the final fantasies and stuff like that they were yeah. such long games yeah so i would literally wake up early on weekends so i could play more video games because they would make me stop after a while <laughs> well, no, it's like it's it's interesting to me because I feel like there is this correlation between uh, metal and and these high end musicians, whether it's you know, someone like you or Dragon Force or even all that remains, mm -hmm. right? Having success with you know uh, Guitar Hero, Guitar Hero back back in the day, and I, and I feel like disconnected from that because I kind of fell out with games years ago. Even though when I was a kid, it was it was it was my favorite thing, and it's mm -hmm. so big, right? The industry is so big and the the culture of it is, is is big and and how that you know really launched 
Twitch and things like that. And there's so yep. so many elements of that world of the the, the streaming world that's now kind of coming together, right? Where now music people are on are on Twitch and, mm-hmm. all, and, all, and all that stuff. And I feel like I'm always like missing paying out. their mortgages from it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. and I feel like uh, I'm always missing something that's ha- in this cultural zeitgeist because I'm not connected to to game so I, I feel like those people like you or herman lee who are like really tapped into this stuff are you know are able to kind of in a way probably understand a whole different marketplace you know in terms of like what what's moving people what's shaping people what they're interested in you know um and also just like the there must be even a way your mind works when you play video games all the time right like you probably see the world a little bit differently uh it is kind of weird. Sometimes I'll be like literally just out in public. I remember when I was playing like Grand Theft Auto Five a lot when it first came out. I was literally like I went and got I just got inside of a car. I was like, oh, this is like GTA. I'm literally just getting in a car. Like, <laughs> or if you're like one of those big open world games and you see like all like the the crazy hills and fields and stuff like that, and it's getting to a point where it's like it literally looks real. Like with the Series X, PS Five, like the crazy ass. Uh, computers with like the 30 the graph like the 3090 graphics cards and stuff like that um like it's almost like i don't want to say like better than real life because it's not obviously but it's just crazy like how realistic some of the stuff has gotten and literally like i just said that was like i remember when i did that gta thing in my head i was like that's so stupid why did i just think that i was like i'm literally just getting into a car like i normally would but i'm like oh it's like gta <laughs> are you are you getting into the vr stuff i still have never done that actually dude i i got the oculus one like quest and i know there's a mm-hmm. new one that's that's out now it's pretty yeah. amazing it's gonna be i feel like that stuff um in the next couple of years it's gonna be like too too crazy you know yeah. where i always get a little nervous like i'm gonna like throw up or something because like you're like because you're not feeling your body's not feeling what you're seeing. So I always like, I don't know. That's always like been a slight deterrent for me, but I've also heard people say it doesn't actually really do that too bad. So no, here's when you get the nausea is if you have a game where the character's moving, but you're stationary, that'll give you nausea. But as long as you're moving, Mm -hmm. then you're fine. Like I did, there was this one, like it wasn't even a game. It was almost like a, um, like a simulation that you're where you're in a, uh, a spaceship you know, but not like mm-hmm. some like Star Trek, just an actual regular, you're just an astronaut and you get to like float around and then go, you get to see the, you know, see the earth and stuff. And that gave yeah. me, that gave me some nausea, but because I was stationary, but I think if I was moving with it, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So that's where you gotta mm-hmm. be, that's where you gotta be careful with it. But it's, yeah, I- your, your body though cannot tell, like, even though the, I think the, uh, the graphics for the VR are not at the standard of like, you know, PlayStation 5 or anything like that, there's still a big mm-hmm. distance. When that catches up, it's gonna be crazy because you're even though the graphics aren't there, your body still reacts as if it's real. It feels yeah. like like the sensory part of it is pretty much they've solved. Yeah, I might have to get the PS5 one. I know they're doing like a there's a new version of PlayStation's VR for the PS5 that uh, it might already be out. I don't know if it's already out or not, but I just told myself I'm just gonna keep holding out until it's like like just the sickest most insane thing ready player ever. one level and then i'll try it yeah <laughs> but yeah i don't know I'll, i know i'll do it at some point soon but i just 
I just keep holding out. But I have told myself maybe I'll get the PlayStation 5 on. Because um, the PS5 is sick. Both the new consoles are sick. I'm a psychopath. And, like, I, uh, for the Series X, I knew they were going to be impossible to get. So on pre-order day, um, I think it was like it was like 11 at night, the night before. And I just had this overwhelming gut feeling that I couldn't shake. I was like, I need to go check my GameStop and see if fools are already lined up. And I did. I drove over there. And there was already two people sitting outside of the GameStop to pre-order Series X the next day at like 11 p.m. the night before. So I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> now I can't leave. Because it's like it's like first come, first serve. You know what I mean? With that type of shit. So you, and they only so you had, camped out? The what? You camped out? I did. I sat out there for like eight, nine hours to pre-order a Series X. And I'm glad I did because they literally had a sign on the front of the on the front of the uh, store that said, we have five Series Xs for pre-order and two Series S, the the cheaper one. And I literally, if I hadn't have like, if I had ignored my gut, I might not have one still. But I went there, I sat there for like fucking nine hours to pre-order the Series X. And then the PS5, I lucked out crazy hard. Um, I got it off Amazon somehow and I didn't get a box of cat litter. Or bricks when it got delivered. <laughs> people were doing that. They were literally like shipping cat litter because it like weighed the same. Um, but I was just scrolling on Twitter and there's this one account. His name's Wario64. He like anytime anything goes in stock, he posts about it. And I was just on Twitter. I had all my payment methods and shipping addresses ready to go on every platform. Um, and he's like, PS5 restocked on Amazon right now. I was like, oh my God. I just fucking mashed everything as fast as I possibly could. Just swiped by it now immediately. Went, didn't care what payment method it went to. And it was like, thank you for your purchase. And it was just sitting there in my, like, bought things in Amazon. I was like, is this real? Like, did I actually just get a PS5 right now? And, like, I didn't believe it until it showed up. And then it showed up. Was it as advertised? Was it worth the, the, the excitement? Uh... I like, I'm an Xbox guy personally. I love both. I like, I have everything. I have like 20 consoles hooked up in my main room, all ready to play, just like a push of a couple buttons. Good lord. Um, yeah, it's a lot. They're like all the retro stuff and like all that shit. But, um, uh, I do like the PS5. I think the controller hurts my hands after I've been playing for a while. I more, I prefer the Xbox controller. It's, it feels a little bit better for me, uh, how it just sits in my hands, especially after like a long session. Um, but, I mean, it's definitely sick. I f they're pretty on par with each other, but like uh, the Series X and the PS5. I mean, there's the sickest part is the loading. It's like non-existent. I don't know if you remember, like when you were still playing, um, like you'd go to get, go to have something load, you like fuck off on your phone for like 20, 30 seconds. You can't do that anymore. You literally like you pick up your phone and it's already ready to go. But you're like transitioning from or fast traveling or something like that. It's just everything is just instant because of the hard drives and stuff they have. <clears throat> right on it's definitely dude, a level up dude that's sick man that's sick sick stuff but uh i wanted to i'm saying i'm gonna do the, a terrible transition if, if you're okay with that <laughs> yes uh because you know we've been going for a while and I, I've, I've barely gotten to even really talk to you much about uh playing with all that remains uh mm -hmm. which is very prescient you know to 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 my show because that's you know band I, you know i came up with you know where i guess we simultaneously came up together and you know, and obviously, so many people that listen to my show uh, love all, all that remains. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, what is your experience 
been like? I mean, considering that you're so busy, you're doing so many different things on your own and then having to kind of take on this other, you know, job that, that is really all consuming. You guys did what, what, 10, 10 week tour or something? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That was a lot, man. And it was just, just dumb shit happened on it too. The tour was incredible. Shows were great. It was like, I think like more than half the tour was sold out, especially for like a 10 week tour. Like that's pretty fucking cool. It's amazing. Um, but, um, yeah, there was just a, honestly, the th- thing that's fortunate about them is you know they've been a band for like 20 years or so so there's like an entire team that handles all the stuff that i'm doing for my own solo project so that makes everything like a lot easier like there's a a lot of moving pieces into all the remains camp that um take a lot of load off that i'm doing on my own for my solo stuff um and uh like i mean ollie wasn't the only one that would write in the band um like you know honestly i learned a lot of my fit some of my uh or some of like my favorite riffs I learned from like Fall of Ideals and stuff were like Phil riffs. I was like, really? It was like, you wrote that one? He was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's fucking sick. And then like one of the biggest songs ever, uh, What If I Was Nothing, that was Phil and Mike. They wrote like all of that one. Yeah. So it's like, there's definitely, it's like, and when I learned all of that, I was like, damn, that's all. I was like, I'm a lot, like, I'm not worried about the next album like at all anymore. Cause like they all, would or Phil, Mike, and Ollie would like all contribute and help write some of the stuff. And there were two, uh, Jason, uh, sometimes who would do the same thing that like Luke does with me. He would like come up with like a drum beat and then they would write to that, like use like a breakdown pattern or something like that. So it should be pretty easy. I, I told them, uh, I think one of the best ways to go about writing the new stuff will be like, like obviously I'll write some stuff on my own for sure. Once I get a little bit, once the, my album is like completely done and I, don't have to be doing like all these zoom calls, like putting the, the music video together and all like the tab book shit and all of that stuff. Um, so once that, that should uh, lighten up very soon. And then I'll be able to be like right in, like put all my headspace into working on the new all their main stuff. And they already have a bunch of ideas, like all right, like DL's helping them out. And he, yeah. I think he did the last album. He did victim, yep. victim of the new disease. And they've been writing and working on new stuff now. So they already have a bunch of start ideas and it'll be cool to get all of that. And then like kind of put like my own touch on it, like maybe spice some riffs up or something like that. And are you going to be doing most of the solos on the record as well? I assume so. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I know. I know Mike Martin can have some every now. He's got some. You give him him a couple. You'll let it. You'll you'll allow him one or two. Yes. Yes. (laughs) No, Mike writes cool shit. Oh, for sure. He's a really good guitar player. absolutely absolutely no but i mean it's interesting because like i said the first few bands you played with were more or less from the same scene you know and kind Mm -hmm. of you know uh uh stylistically you know had that was a lot in common but it was it was of the same kind of uh style uh what is this like kind of playing with i guess a band in 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 the modern context is almost like a like a classic metal band you know that that comes from uh a generation i guess i guess previously is that a different energy or just like does it feel different or is it kind of just like being being in a band is like the same experience uh i don't i don't necessarily think about it like that because i mean i was just a huge fan of the band like growing up like fall of ideals that for like all the guitar hero songs six this calling air that i breathe not alone like like half that album was like all singles and yeah. just like bangers of songs and um that anniversary tour we just did, like everyone that we would talk to at meet and greet, like I'm that kid at the meet and greet, like literally. 
Because they're like all like around my, most of some of them are around my age, if not younger. They're like, yeah, my dad showed me you guys. And like, I've been listening to you guys for like 15 years now, blah, blah, blah. And that's the album that got me into metal, et cetera, that kind of stuff. And like, uh, and, you know, um, if the listeners didn't know, like Jason, the drummer had to go home. Um, and then the fill-in we had come out, he was too, he, he, I think he's 28, Anthony Barone. And he's just a fucking monster of a drummer. And he's kind of like the same exact scenario as me. Like we both grew up like listening to this album front to back. And it was just like kind of a surreal moment to be able to like play the whole thing, the entire album. And then like meet all these people that essentially are like, like that could have been them up there, you know, like, like either me or Anthony, if that makes sense. Like, just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. listen, I I went to the show in, in LA and it was, it was a great show. The, The crowd loved it. You guys, sounded so tight and you you know i'm you know i'm so, i'm so happy you're in the band because i i just feel like you do ali's solos uh such a service you know to your your yeah that shit's your, fun to play it's just it's not easy either I <laughs> can, oh yeah i can i yeah. <laughs> i can look at it and, and 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 see that and even you know you know being buddies with ali and in his perspective you know he always uh because i think he would write a lot of his stuff in guitar pro so he would yes. essentially mm-hmm write stuff that he couldn't really play and then have to teach himself how to play the yep. stuff that he had he, he had composed and he was always pushing the absolute limit of uh of yep. his of of his playing and that and but his brilliance obviously technically is is insane but to me his 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 real brilliance was just as a composer man he just yep his his understanding of of mel- melody and uh putting these things together that really like you know you could almost hear like if if they were composed for uh, more classical instruments, they would be just as kind of moving. Oh yeah, dude. Honestly, the but the most comparable genre to metal is classical music. Sure. Straight up, like just when you like that start dissecting it, like the discipline that you need to put in to be able to perform everything, technique wise, like all of, like the movement of how all of the stuff the uh, the stuff works uh, musically, just like. It doesn't sound like it to, you know, an uninformed listener or someone just like ignorant of that, but it definitely like, when you start like looking at it back and forth, like metal and classical music are very, very, very similar uh, genres for sure. <clears throat> the new classical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> classical I'll, I'll, with headbanging. Yeah. The funny thing about the, the guitar pro thing with Ollie, like before I knew that he did that, I also do that. Like I don't write everything in guitar pro. Uh, I used to, but... You can always kind of hear it, like when that's someone that they strictly compose with that software. Like, there's not a lot of like lyrical guitar parts or like sure. changes and subdivisions and stuff like that because it's easier to just write all sixteenth notes or triplets or something like that in there. Yeah. So usually I only use Guitar Pro now if I have this wild idea in my head I want to hear before I waste hours of my time trying to play it so I can record it and listen to it. I just be like. Cause then I could spend all that time and then it just sounds like shit and I don't even like it. So I just like, it's not efficient when it comes to writing. You know sure. what I mean? So I could just like type some things in in guitar pro and hear this part that's in my head before I waste time trying to learn how to play it or write it. <clears throat> right on. Well, listen, brother, um, this has been incredible, man. I really appreciate you, uh, take your time to, 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 to be on the show. You're definitely, what, what you've done, you know, I think over the, over the course of your career and you're still, a very young man, so I, ca- I can't even imagine what the, what what the future holds. But you've really established yourself as as one of you know the top 
uh, players and, and, and individuals in your in your field. And it's just really impressive uh, to see your approach and that you're doing your own thing, but then you're also, uh, you know, have this other part of your career playing with all our mains and doing other things. And it's just, man, it's, 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 it's just incredible to see, man. I, I, I want to thank, thank you, you for, for sharing your story on, on, on the show. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, man. Also, uh, stoked for the God forbid reunion. You guys got to play, uh, a lot of stuff off Antigone. I'll be I'll be stoked. I'm saying see, that right, right? That's well, what it is. No, no. See that I was looking it up and I was like, that's a Heaven Shall Burn album title. Really? Yeah. What the fuck am I thinking about then? Well, there's you're I th- I was wondering, I was like, oh, is he well, Antihero, we have a song called Antihero, but the album yeah. is gone forever. And then the next fuck. album is uh Constitution of Treason. It's so been like, a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I should like, just go with it. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna play all the songs off Antigone. Shit. But is that, the, is that you know you, what? What I think that's how you say it because it's like a play, it's like an old play or something like that. But doesn't Antigone sound cooler? Antigone. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. But dude, I think why I'm getting it mixed up is because one that sampler CD that I found out about, God forbid, had all that same shit on it. Heaven shall burn. And I think yeah, it was all just on that one sampler CD in the back of that Shadows Fall one. So. Fuck, we now toured, I feel like an asshole. We did but a tour it, with 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 Heaven Shall Burn though, and they were they were really cool guys. Okay, my confusion is compounding on itself now, so that's all I right. feel less. Okay. I feel less. But yeah, it was all on the same CD, so that's why I got confused. And it's I think honestly, when I met you the first time, like years ago at a show, I think I said the same exact fucking thing. Well, you know what's funny? I think <laughs> the first time I met you, it was uh, <clears throat> actually. I think this is funny. I think you were actually on tour. Uh, Born of Osiris was on tour with All That Remains, and you guys played at the, uh, I think it was called the Best Buy Theater or whatever in in New York. And I remember you guys were the first band I saw that was running Axe Effects, but then like using like a power amp and like running through like a cabinet. And we were like we had like mm-hmm. this brief conversation about the sound of 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 you know. You know, the, yeah. the, the axe effects was through the cabinets. I was just like, man, that sounds so crazy. I was like, so yeah. like, I was like kind of slightly infatuated with uh, how like these new school bands were using this different technology that it almost made the the um, the properties of guitar sounds. You could almost like create new sounds that didn't previously exist with yep. normal guitar. I thought, that we had a conversation, something about that. And you were like giving me some brilliant insight, you know, into the technology. Nice. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things about that back then that I cuz you could like fuck with the noise gates enough to the point where it literally sounds like like a studio like an edited guitar track. Yeah, yeah. But even though you're just playing it like but cuz I have specific patches there where the noise gates are so tight that's all you can play. There's just like that pop 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 like well, those really staccato breakdowns. But that patterns. was a big part of bring uh uh Born Osiris's sound though to me was that yep. that tone, you know. Mhm. Yeah, and you could do that live with the Axe Effects just with gate settings, and that was like the only thing at the time that I found that I could achieve that like studio-edited guitar sound while you're actually just playing. You're out there changing the game, brother, and I appreciate That's... it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, all right, man. Uh, is there anything? So the record comes out, was it July 15th? Yes, and yep, it comes out July 15th, and you can pre-order uh, everything now on uh, jasonrichardsonmerch.com is where everything is. Right on, and he has... Vinyls, sick sick uh merch design some of the best merch designs i've ever had yeah i know you have this really great hoodie design that's that's amazing i'm like this guy's he fucking around all right jason's not fucking around the uh uh, yeah that company that's uh i'm friend really good friends with um 
the the owner and a lawyer that works with them and uh yeah they just absolutely kill it they do like jeffree star cosmetics and like all of that stuff so it's like i think the guy who did the jeffree star death metal logo for that like line did my death metal logo that you're probably looking at right now yeah that's a great yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, got, you got tabs up there you have the uh your record release show at the whiskey what date is that yep on the 21st 21st yep. i'll probably yep. i'm gonna try and come out to that if, if that's Do okay it. you won't you know, you know, i won't <laughs> I, yo doc is man of man of the people all right i i, I, yes. I represent the scene so as long as i'm not <laughs> i should be home and i i definitely want to want to come and uh and and, and yeah check that would that be out. sick as fuck they're still playing time i've seen i think uh, last time i talked to them we're already at like 60 tickets and i haven't even figured out how to put it on my bands in town yet so right. yeah. that's pretty good we're gonna move some units baby we're gonna sell it out i'll yeah. be there in the front row cheering hell yeah all right i'll be like antigon yeah. antigone yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I ser I did that one of the other times I first times I met you. I did that same exact fucking thing. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Listen, yeah. I can take it. I don't even mind people get my name wrong. A lot of people just yeah. come to me, say my brother's name. What's up, Dallas? I'm like, I don't even I don't even correct him. I'm like, okay. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not worried about really it. You guys don't really look alike. What's that? You guys don't even really look that much alike. But you know, just <laughs> people get confused. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I'm not I'm not I'm not mad. Well, listen, brother, good luck with everything. Keep kicking ass, and I will see you soon, all right? Yep. Sounds good, man. Take care. Uh, thank you again. Anytime. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying peace, even though you can't see me. All right. It's all good, brother. <laughs> yeah. Be good, right? Yeah. Take care. All right.
So you just heard Upside Down by Jason Richardson, Luke Holland, featuring Tim Henson from Polyphia. And that is a badass tune and a brand new song, which will be featured on the upcoming Jason Richardson and Luke Holland album entitled Two. And I think it's coming out very, very soon. So uh, yeah, there's, there's a few songs out right now. It's a great video for that that one that you just heard. I really like that ending riff. That was just riff, lead, I don't even what you call it. It's just, it's insane. It's insane stuff. Stuff makes you want to cut your hand off, you know, when you, when, when you hear how, how good these guys are. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jason. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, he has a fascinating story. And I just appreciate him taking the time to share his story, uh, despite all the internet uh, <laughs> Quoting his his stuff out of context and creating drama where there there needs none be any drama. So anyway, guys, I just uh, hope you enjoyed it. And I gotta it's late over here, getting late, and I, I just want to wrap this up. And I and I apologize. I you know I want to hang around, but your boy's shot. All right, there's Doc Coil and there's Shot Coil, and uh, Shot Coil needs to take a shower. All right, needs to clean, wash his face, shave. You know, just it's a different, it's a different situation. You know, it's a, it's it's getting warm out here. I'm sweating. It's it's embarrassing. All right, I was I was on I went on Instagram live today to show people my new Gibson. I'm just just sweating like, you know, like I'm just just in a jungle in Bangladesh. I don't even know if they got jungles in Bangladesh. They probably do, but they sweating. I tell you that. You know, think about that for all those years without air conditioning, you was just a sweaty, grizzly motherfucker. Just just armpit slapping on armpit you know it was it was a it was a poor situation that's just that's just how we lived so maybe, you know what maybe i need to go the other way with it maybe i need to go you know what get back to my roots and just be a, a sweaty human you know just just that's what how the men are you can just be a, a you know or everyone that's how everyone was i haven't really thought this through all right all right y'all uh i'm gonna get out of here let's uh you know nba free agency starts this week let's uh cross the fingers for the knicks they've had a rough one uh, you know, for the last uh, 30 years. <laughs> uh, and I hope your team, if you, if you give a shit, uh, it does well. You know, I hope everyone does well. All right. I love you guys. More shows coming. Like I said, we got a bunch of guests coming up. And uh, be on the lookout. Mama's out. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.